What a joy to be here at Grand Rapids First today. Thank you, worship team. What powerful worship. I told Pastor Drew before the service many times when I'm just in the car or we're at home and we're, you know, we, we turn a podcast on or we look at services that are happening. We always love listening to the worship here at Grand Rapids First. It's powerful. And friends, I can tell you, it's not like this everywhere. And so don't take it for granted. Pastor Sam was right this morning. We get in the presence of the Lord. It makes the enemy, it stirs him up. And there's nothing greater we can do than just to exalt Jesus in our lives. So thank you for being a church that worships Jesus and that lives out your faith. Pastor Sam, Pastor Brenda, we love you so much. Melinda and I are so thankful for you and just the way that you have blessed us over all these years. You mentioned camp, so I have to go there, okay? Um, Pastor Sam was the evangelist preaching at camps. I grew up in a small church uh, in Mobile, Alabama, right on the Gulf Coast. And, you know, we never had youth pastor. We never had children's pastor. Never had worship like this, anything close to this. And, but, but when I went to camp, it changed my life. And being at camp in the summer, Melinda's father was the district youth director. So, of course, she and I kept an eye on each other. And, and as we got to that age, we, we wanted to be together. So I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't always go to camp for Jesus. Many of times I went to see her and to be with her. But how many of you know, God can do things in your heart, even when you're not looking for it. And so while we were there, of course, I began to see hundreds and hundreds of young people that were passionate for Jesus. And, and I would go back to the small church and then I would go to camps in the summer and pastor Sam would come and Pastor Brendan would preach and minister to us. And how many of you remember cassette tapes? I know most of you don't because you were never born then, but how many of you remember cassette tapes, even eight track tapes? But when Pastor Sam preached during those weeks, they would record the messages and put them on those cassette tapes. And we would buy those tapes and I would take them back home. And Pastor Sam, those tapes helped disciple me. They really did. The dog and the dove saved my life. Those, those messages, I memorized those tapes till I wore them out, listening to the things that you preached to us in the summer. And all year long, I would listen to them. And the Lord would use that to help me be strong. Can you say praise God for the ministries of Pastor Stan, Pastor Brenda? Thank you so much. Wow. To the great family, thank you for what you've done to help us and missionaries like us around the world. Uh, as Pastor Sam mentioned, in 2015, when the Syrian refugee wave came, and there were refugees that we've been ministering to since World War II in Vienna. We've been receiving them, but this wave was unprecedented. And as we continue to say, Lord, what can we do as a church? We felt we should open uh, a ministry center. And you helped us to fund that ministry center. And friends, I wish I had time to tell you all the stories, but I can tell you this. Because of what you helped us do, we saw hundreds, hundreds of people come to know Jesus during those years. And many of them who are today, they're still in the church, many that have moved to other places, but we know that they're still serving Jesus. Hallelujah. I can tell you, when God asks us for a seed, he already has a harvest in mind. And you were a part of that. And then of course, last year, as we began to move into this campus that was a former casino, we lost our campus that we had been in. 
we didn't know what to do. And as COVID hit, the Lord gave us this casino that we were able to purchase. And you guys helped us to buy the chairs in that casino. And where these people were once gambling their lives away, now we have five services every weekend, different languages, preaching the gospel of Jesus. And you were a part of that. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm honored that my wife's here with me today. She could preach equally as well or better than me. She's such a great communicator. And she's going to share her heart about a project here at the end of service. But we do want to show you a picture of our family. And I, and I say this because, honestly, when God calls a missionary, he calls a family. It's not just the father or the, or the wife, but it's all of us. And today, our kids have been affected. And missionaries around the world and families because of what you've invested in them. And I'm so thankful that you have supported us and families like us. And as much as we love projects, faith promises help us with projects, but most of all, they help us with missionaries on the ground because projects will come and go, but it's the projects that help accelerate the work of these missionary families. And so Grand Rapids First, thank you for all that you're doing to support over 100 families, missions, um, organizations, and, and ministries right here in the city and literally around the world. And so today, I want to share on this theme of very simple words, what really matters? What really matters? There's a man in our church by the name of Fossil. He comes from a very sensitive country, a restricted country. When he came to Austria, he didn't know Jesus. But through the ministry of the local church, he gave his heart to Jesus. Later, as he continued to grow in his faith, keep coming to church, he got a good job. One day when he was out working, he was in an automobile accident and it, he had a brain injury. He was bleeding on the brain. He was in a coma. Before he had the accident, he spoke three languages, his mother tongue, English, and he had learned German. When he came out of the coma, he only spoke one language, English. The problem was his wife only spoke her mother tongue. So we had to help negotiate between them and always being able to help translate from the one language he spoke until the language that he had lost. Many times I would see him come to church and he would struggle to walk, but every single time we gave an altar appeal, he would respond and come to the altar. And as I would walk down to pray for him, I would say, Fossil, what can I pray with you about? We want to pray for God to heal you. And he would say, no, no. He says, please first pray for my wife that she would come to know Jesus. And I can tell you that every single Sunday, that man comes to the altar. And even though God has blessed him and helped restore his health and the languages that he lost have come back and his mental state has come back, Fossil comes down to the altar every single week with one prayer request, and that is pray for my wife who doesn't know Jesus. You know, friends, the, the older we get, the more we begin to really ask this question, what really matters? Sometimes we pray for things that really don't matter, things that used to be important and they're not really that important anymore. And things that, honestly, we used to take for granted, but today we realize the, the gravity of those opportunities that God has given us. And that's what we want to talk about for a moment. I want to turn in the scriptures to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I love this chapter. I love the context of this chapter and how Paul is speaking to the local church. And for example, in verse number eight, he speaks to the people that he has ministered to. And he says these words, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. 
That's what missionaries do. We don't just go to share the gospel. We go to share our lives. And through relational ministry, through opportunities that God gives us to be able to share a relationship, to share a friendship, we also have the opportunity to share the gospel. And that's really what Paul is saying here. We loved you so much that we didn't just share the gospel. We shared our lives with you. And then he says in the last verses of this chapter, verse 19, verse 20, he asks a question. It's a great question I want us to answer today. What is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we would glory in the presence of Jesus when he comes? And then he answers it in verse 20 and he says, is it not you? Indeed, you, you Thessalonians, you are our glory and our joy. There's two important things I think from these verses. First of all, is to talk about the fact that Paul reminds us that Jesus really is coming back. Thank you for those amens. Jesus really is coming back. And secondly, to answer the question, what really matters when he comes? How many of you believe that Jesus is coming back? Come on, do you really believe Jesus is coming back? You know, it's more than a song. It's more than a story that your grandparents told you about. I remember growing up in that little church in Mobile and it seems like every single service we would talk about heaven. We would sing about heaven. The messages always reminded us of a place that God had prepared for us in heaven. You know, each day mattered because one day Jesus would come back and the decisions that we made today determine what happens on that day when we stand before God. I can remember that little plaque in our home that said one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. You've seen it and you've heard that all of your life, but friends, it's more than something we say. It's a reality of what we live. I wanna ask you today, how many of you wanna go to heaven? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you wanna go to heaven? Praise the Lord. How many of you wanna go to heaven today? Not as many hands went up. I mean, we wanna go to heaven. We just not sure we wanna go today. And sometimes that's because we become so comfortable here on earth and comfortable with our life and comfortable with the way we live. But friends, I wanna remind you today that heaven is better than Grand Rapids. Vienna's great, but, but heaven's better than Vienna. Heaven is a place that God has prepared for us. In fact, I remember one of those cassette tapes, Pastor Sam, you preached a message called Something Better Than Heaven. And you compare the difference between what heaven's going to be like and what hell's going to be like. But at the very end, you kept building that anticipation of something, there's something better. And ultimately, it was to remind us, it's not just that when we get to heaven, but when we get there and we look around and we see people that we brought with us to heaven. Friends, that's what really matters because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Hallelujah. John chapter 14, Jesus himself reminded us, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't, don't be afraid. In my father's house, there's many rooms and I'm going there to prepare a place. And Jesus made this promise. He said, if I go, I will come back and take you to be with me. Friends, I'm so thankful that Jesus keeps his promises today. In Acts chapter one, he reminds us right before he's ascended to heaven that we, his church, his people will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to be witnesses for him. And immediately after that verse, in verse number nine, the Bible says that Jesus ascended into heaven and the disciples were watching him and two men 
in white appeared and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into the sky? And I, I love these words. They say, this same Jesus. Come on at home, did you hear that? This same Jesus, not a different Jesus, but the one who died for you, the one who rose again, is the same Jesus who will come back in the same way that you've seen him go. And so again, I ask you today, friends, if we know that Jesus really is coming back, then what matters in this life? What really matters? Well, there's a long list of things you could probably name, and I could too, but I want to remind you of a few things today. First of all, I think we have to, we have to resoundingly say that people matter. Come on, will you say that with me? People matter. Come on, one more time like you believe it. People matter. Jesus didn't die for a building. We thank God for buildings, and we need buildings as resources. Jesus didn't die for a movement. He didn't die for a cause. He gave his life for people, for every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And that's why Paul says, what's our joy? What's our crown that we will receive? What's the glory he says, it's you. It's you people that we've led to Jesus. You Thessalonians, not your bank account, not the size of the home that you live in or the kind of car that you drive, not your position or title or how many followers that you and I have on social media. Friends, it's people that really matter. This week I was looking at your website and I love the statement that you have on your homepage. And if you haven't been there recently, you need to. On the Grand Rapids First homepage, it says, we are excited to get to know you at one of our weekly services. Learn how to grow. That's an important word here in this church. Learn how to grow in your faith through practical preaching and honest relationships. Honest relationships. We invite you to come and connect with a family of believers who are committed to serving God, serving each other, and serving the world. I want to remind you today that everything you do here at Grand Rapids, everything flows out of a love for God and a love for people because we believe that people matter. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes and he says, don't forget these one things, friends, that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. But the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. He is patient with you. Here it is not wanting that anyone, not willing that anyone would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. You know the reason why Jesus has not returned yet? Have you ever thought about that? Because in the beginning of that chapter, that's what they ask. They say, people were scoffing and saying, why hasn't he come back? You've been saying this forever. It's really a pretty good question. But the answer to that question is very simple, that there are people in your family who are yet to know Jesus. There are people who live in Kent and Ottawa counties who are yet to know Jesus. There are people who live within driving distance of this church, people who are watching us in our online family who have yet to know Jesus. And if Jesus did come back today, friends, they would not be ready for heaven. And that's why people matter. That's why faith promises matter. That's why what we do every weekend and, and throughout the ministries that we do in this church, it's why it matters. And as a Christian, I always feel this, this tension, this tension that says, Maranatha, Jesus, come back. I'm ready to go. But as a missionary, I feel the other side of that tension that just says, Lord, if you came back today, 
people in my city would never make it to heaven. I hope here in Grand Rapids that if Jesus came back today, those who were left behind would know, they would know the impact that this church had left. But I can tell you, if it happened in Vienna, Austria, very few people would even recognize it. We had a young man who came to our church. His name was Jamal. He was one of the first people that we began to lead to the Lord in the Syrian refugee crisis. When he first came, his heart was so full of fear. And he was just constantly just trying to, to, to study the scriptures. And someone had given him a Bible. And he began to read the Bible. And, and yet he's, he's confused about what he had been taught all of his life. And, and yet what he's reading and what he's feeling and sensing in his heart. I remember the first time he came down to the altar and I was there to pray with him and I asked him, Jamal, what can I pray with you about? And he said these words to me. He said, I've been reading the Bible that the church gave me. And he said, I'd have to say I'm a 50% follower of Jesus and 50% follower of Islam. And he said, just pray with me because I don't know what to do. Well, we kept praying for him. And in that moment, I said, Jamal, we're going to pray for you. And I want to encourage you to keep reading your Bible. And I pray that the God of that Bible will reveal himself to you. Well, he kept coming and he kept reading his Bible. He kept an open heart. He was down in the altar a few months later on this side and I couldn't reach him, but I asked one of our leaders to go over and pray with him. And I said, by the way, he told me that he was a 50% follower of Jesus, 50% follower of, of Islam. Well, that Sunday after service, the leader in our church came to me and he said, Pastor, you know that guy I prayed with? He's a 75% follower of Jesus and he's 25% follower of Muhammad. <laughs> well, you can imagine how this story ends because a few months later we were having a baptism service and in that baptism service, he was in line. And even though I had not been a part of the interview process in that day, I was helping baptize. And when he came forward, I said, Jamal, when we met you, you said you were 50-50. Later, I heard you were 75-25. Where are you today? And he lifted his hands and he said, I want everyone to know the fear is gone. All the fear is gone. And today I am a 100% follower of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friends, that happens because churches like you say people matter and we're going to invest our time and our resources and our energy and everything we can right here and around the world to reach people who need Jesus. I want you to watch this brief video of one of the women in our church who came to know Jesus. Melinda has an incredible ministry to women and I want you to hear her heart as she explains what happened as she came into the church and how people began to share the love of Jesus with her. I remember the day, it was um, 7th of February, the first time that I walked in to the BCC. And I walked in with a huge burden. I have to say, before that, I didn't even have beliefs. I didn't even know God. I didn't have really beliefs at that time. I just thought, one day I go to such church and I see what actually they do there. And I'm glad that I did, because that day, as I walked in and I stood up and started praying just the way that I noticed, and I found it amazing when I asked God as his child, his daughter, this is a completely different feeling, and it was completely new for me to ask. And um, that's the time that uh, I believe there is a God who has the power to change things.
in my life, a God who has his power, and I do not, I do not have that power to change things. I needed housing immediately. I was in a situation that um, I needed to find a place. I've been struggling to find a job for several years as I placed my trust in this. And I believe that from that day on, God proved me over and over just in the last three months that He has got that. He has got many things in my life. I found not only a place, but a home. A place that I feel totally like home and I'm so blessed to have it. I believe that the job offer that I got now after three years, I got it because God gave it to me. Because I asked Him, keep trusting in God and have faith that He, that God will make things happen that you can't, that miracles exist, but only God has the power to make these miracles. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> to our online family, to all of you here in this house, I want you to know that's a young lady who came to church because somebody like you brought her. She had never known Jesus, but in a house like this, she found Jesus. And you can see how she put her trust in Jesus and her life was changed forever because people matter. What else really matters? I think the way we live our life, it matters. <laughs> I want to remind you today that living out your faith, it matters. Again, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, Peter writes and says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, since God's not willing that anyone perish, but everyone comes to repentance. We know the day of the Lord's coming. He says, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to and you speed the day of his coming. You know, in the English version, it says you should serve and honor God by the way you live. Friends, Melinda and I believe that. We believe as missionaries, it's not enough just to come and, and be religious but there has to be an overflow of our relationship that we live out our faith in Jesus, not just inside the walls, but outside the walls. Not just when it's convenient, but in moments where God gives us divine appointments. How we live our life, it matters. And that's why the, Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples. Not by the way you dress, not by the way you talk, but because of your love for one another, because of the way that you act and you behave. In church, we can become very inward focused, very consumeristic, but the church at its best is what we do when we are living out our faith everywhere we go to everyone that we meet. And so our prayer today is that God would help us to live out the words of St. Francis de Assisi who said, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. And if it's necessary, use words. If it's necessary, use words, but otherwise live it out in the part of the world where we're from, and I wish I could take you there, most Europeans don't even know a follower of Jesus, an evangelical committed Christian. My neighbors, I've, I've met people who have told me, you're the first Christian that I have ever met. The first Christian I've ever met. When, I, when we moved back to Springfield, Missouri a few months ago, every one of my neighbors, I started meeting them and they started inviting me to church. Well, that's a good thing but it also felt strange for me to meet so many Christians. 
And finally, I met one unbeliever who lives across the street, and I'm like, you're going to be my best friend. I can't wait to spend time with you. I'll never forget a university student in Spain. One of our missionaries was sharing the gospel with her, and she's declared she was an atheist, and finally she said these very powerful words. She says, I don't believe in God, but I need him. I don't believe in God, but if what you're saying is true, and if there really is a God like that, I need him. Friends, I want to remind you today, there is a God like that, and we all need him. And so do those who have yet to ever hear. But unless we live out our faith, then they will never know. I was in the hospital room in in Vienna, one of our hospitals, uh, a year or so ago, and one of our pastors had broken his leg. And in the hospital room, it's a little different than it is here. They don't just put one or two patients in a room. They put like six or eight patients in a room. And so this room was crammed literally bed to bed to bed with patients. And the one pastor was one of our African pastors from Nigeria. And he's in the far bed by the corner. And when I came in to visit him, there were five other beds. And they were all Austrians who were there in those beds. When I came around in the curtain, the curtain where he was to pray for him, I noticed that there were already a, a, a group of women from the church who were there and they had come to visit him from the congregation that he was a pastor in. And, and they were there to pray with him as well. So we had a wonderful time just praying over him and, and sharing of God's goodness. As we started to leave, one of the ladies, she said, we need to go pray for these other people. And each one of those women went to a different hospital bed and started praying for these Austrians. And I'll never forget one of the Austrians saying to us, this is the first time anyone has ever prayed for me. And it wasn't another Austrian. It was an African praying for an Austrian. It was someone who had been taught in the church to live out their faith because they knew that it matters. I wish that I could take you to see the stories and hear the stories of so many of our refugees who have, who have come to know Jesus. Right now, our Ukrainians who are still continuing to come into our country. In fact, we want to show you a few pictures as I share a few stories with you. Recently, in the country of Slovenia, there was a 17-year-old Ukrainian girl named Olga. And Olga had already known Jesus. But when she came to Slovenia because of being pushed out of her own country, she was in this camp and the missionaries there decided to do a summer camp for the refugee youth. Olga was the only believer, but it was a blessing because she spoke multiple languages, including Russian and Slovak and, and English and Ukrainian. And so she was a wonderful translator. But you can imagine this 17-year-old young lady who's a follower of Jesus being able to translate the gospel to young people who are her peers who have never heard about Jesus. And one of the great joys was to see Olga as they prayed and those young people came to the altar that day and 24 Ukrainian young people gave their heart to Jesus. Hallelujah. I wish I could take you to Slovakia. In Slovakia, one of the greatest ministries that have been established there is among the gypsies, among the Romas. The Romas are an outcast group of people in the country of Slovakia. Normally, they're very marginalized, but they've had an incredible revival among the Roma people. And many of them that have come to faith, and they planted so many churches, especially in the eastern part of Slovakia, near the border of Ukraine. Well, of course, as the Ukrainian war began, we started seeing all of these Ukrainians that were coming across the borders and, and had nowhere to go and didn't know what to do. 
And many times the Slovaks themselves were pushing them on and didn't want to serve them and didn't want to help them. But it was the Roma gypsies whose lives had been changed, who the missionaries had led to Jesus. And now in, in, the, in, the, in the cultural level of society and how they would measure value, these people would be considered the lowest of the low. And yet they were the first ones to open their doors and to begin to serve these Ukrainian refugees in the country of Sab in, in Slovakia, in the city of Sabanov, in the eastern part of this nation. They opened their church that seated about 75 people, and, and they began to move the pews together and make beds out of them. They purchased 75 mattresses and toiletry items and hygiene items, and they stocked the community kitchen with groceries. And over the past six months, they have served thousands, but I can tell you they have led hundreds of Ukrainian refugees to Jesus. People who had received. Why? Because the Bible says, freely you've received, now freely give. And these are people who are living out their faith. Even this week, I heard many organizations are leaving, but I can tell you in Poland and in Slovakia, Slovenia and Moldova, along all of these borders, the church is still there. The church is still there. We're taking care of their needs. We've remained faithful. We've been invited inside of the camps when the others have left, when the NGOs have left and all of those who are working have left. It's the church who has still been invited to come in. Why? Because they know that we'll live out our faith. This moment will go down as one of the finest moments of the church in Europe because we have seen Europe and people like you and, and, and me who have sacrificed and opened their hearts to be a blessing. Even right now, because of the partnerships, in these last couple of months, we have planted 17 Ukrainian congregations in the UK, Poland, Germany, and Austria. Come on, somebody. Can you say praise the Lord? <laughs> Hallelujah. Living out your faith matters. I want to ask the team to come, and I want to close with this final thought, and that is, I believe eternity matters. I believe eternity really matters. Friends, if we know Jesus is coming back, then we have to remember this day counts for that day when we stand before him. 2 Peter 3.8, don't forget, friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. One day you and I will stand before the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3 speaks about a narrative of how everything, everything our life represents will, will, will pass through the fire. And things that are temporal will be burned up. And things that are eternal will remain. And I want to ask you a very simple question. Everything that your life and my life represents will pass through that fire. Everything we've done. Everything that we have talked about. The motives of our heart. The secret things that no one saw or knew about. Everything will pass through the fire. And the question is, what will matter? What really will remain on that day when this life is over? And we stand before Jesus. I told you about Fossil a few moments ago and how he began to recover from this car accident and God continued to increase his health and give him strength. How he continued to pray for his wife. He came to our office a few months ago with his wife. And I just assumed that there were tensions and challenges in the marriage because he's a believer, she's not a believer. But when they came in that day, they came in unified, asking for prayer. And I said, Fossil, what, what can we pray with you about? And he said, I want you to pray for me because I need to go back to my, 
the country where my wife is from. And again, it's a, for the sake of being online, I'll just say it's a restricted, a very restrictive, sensitive country. He says, my father-in-law is going to die in a few days. They just told us he's going to die. And they've told us that if you want to see him before he dies, you need to come back. And he says, I want you to pray for us that God would help us so we can go back and I can share Jesus with him. I said to him, I said, Fossil, you know you can't go back. You're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus. And if you go back, your wife's family knows that you're a Christian and they're going to be waiting for you and they will kill you the moment you arrive. He said, you don't understand, Pastor. I have to go back. My father-in-law's dying. He just has a few days. He doesn't know Jesus. I have to go back. All I'm asking you is, will you pray that God would help us? And once again, I tried to reason with him and say, Fossil, I, I, we'll find a way. Give me some time. We'll find somebody who can go to him, but you can't. Because the minute you arrive, they will hang you in the streets and they will kill you. He got perturbed with me. And he said to me, you don't understand. And he pulls out an offering envelope. And he looked at me and he said these words. He said, Pastor, you say it all the time. All the time you tell us, we've got to do this. And he pointed to the word missions. He said, you preach it all the time. You tell us all the time. We've got to give. We've got to go. We have to do missions. And he says, you don't understand. If I don't go, he's going to die. And he doesn't know Jesus and he'll be lost forever. I said, Fossil, please. He said, Pastor, just pray for me. And then he said these words. He says, we're all going to die somewhere. So what difference does it make? If we die here in Austria, if I die in the country where my wife's from, the country where I'm from, what difference does it make? I'm ready for heaven. But all I know is if I don't go back and I don't tell him, he won't make heaven. So please pray for me. You know, friends, that kind of sums it all up today. We're not here to play church. We're here to be the church. We're here to live out our faith because people matter, because eternity matters. And really, we have to do this. We have to do this because one day we're all going to die somewhere. That's why Paul says, what's our, what's our hope? What's our joy? What's the crown that we'll receive when Jesus comes? It's you. It's people that we've led to Jesus. Friends, that's what really matters. And may God help us today to live out our faith. And may tens of thousands of people come to know Jesus because of you and because of what you've done over the years and what you are ready to do today that will affect the lives of people around the world that you will never meet until you get to heaven. That's our hope. That's our joy. That's the crown that we will receive when Jesus comes.